Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. From John to Justin, which releases every single Friday. Canada's Great War, which releases every single Sunday. And Coast to Coast, which releases every single Thursday. I do all of these podcasts full-time. I do the writing, the research, everything. And... Any dollar you give can keep it all going, and I truly do appreciate it. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Bairdo37. Today, I'm looking at the Saskatchewan community of Weyburn. So let's get right to it. The Indigenous History For thousands of years, the indigenous in the area of Weyburn migrated through following animal herds, especially the bison that covered the landscape in huge numbers before the arrival of Europeans. The land was occupied primarily by the Blackfoot and the Assiniboine, as well as the Métis who came through later in the 1700s and 1800s. One of the most important indigenous sites near Weyburn is Signal Hill, which was so named because it is the highest point for miles around, and it was from here that signals could be seen by the indigenous from a great distance across the landscape. On Signal Hill, bison trails and bison rubbing stones are visible, as are the effigies of a medicine wheel. A medicine snake is also visible in all its detail, and the plants in the area are native plant species that are not found in abundance elsewhere. The Founding of the Community To find the origin of Weyburn as it is today, we have to go back to the late 1800s when the railroad was coming through. It was in 1892 when the line extended from Brandon, Manitoba, and while the Sioux Line from the U.S. border would arrive a year later. With two major railroads coming through the area, it was not long before a community started to come up. At first, there was a station house and a freight shed, and it was around these structures that the community would begin to grow. A post office would be opened in 1895 and the land office came in 1899 as the number of settlers were starting to arrive. The beautiful Knox Presbyterian Church was built in 1906 and became a major structure in the community. 
As well, the community's close proximity to the U.S. border also helped it to grow as American investors started new businesses in the area. The growth of the community was such that it became a village in 1900, and only three years later, a town was formed. And in 1913, that town became a city. Today, over 10,000 people live in Weyburn, and it's the 11th largest city in Saskatchewan. But what about that name? There are some theories. The first story states that it was named after a railway worker who supervised the laying of the steel through the area. The other theory, and probably the more likely one, is that it came from a Scottish man in the area who was walking through on a hot summer's afternoon. He said, We burn. And from there, the community became We Burn, and then Wayburn. The Idaho Kid Outlaws are not something Canada is known for, but that doesn't mean they didn't occasionally appear. One such outlaw was the Idaho Kid, who reportedly was in Weyburn at the turn of the 1900s. It was in 1903 that the man who was identified as the Idaho Kid was sitting in the King George Hotel, which was built four years previous. With his Colt 44 revolver, he started to shoot into the ceiling of the building, something that was not tolerated in the community for obvious reasons. Soon enough, Constable Larry Lett of the Northwest Mounted Police arrived to deal with the party that was getting out of control in the hotel and to arrest the Idaho Kid. He soon ventured to the hotel and found the Idaho Kid, whose real name was Bill, in his hotel room with his wife and a bottle. Constable Lett then bashed through the door of the room and as the Idaho Kid reached for his gun, Lett jumped on him, while the Idaho Kid's wife jumped on the constable. Residents outside the hotel could hear the commotion, but eventually Lett emerged carrying the Idaho kid's gun and with the outlaw in handcuffs as well. According to legend, the constable is promoted to corporal for his actions, and the Idaho kid realizes that crime is not something he should be involved in, and he soon settles down in the area with his wife. So how true is this? Who really knows, but it was written about by Pierre Burden in his book The Promised Land, Settling the West, and I liked the story, so I wanted to share it. The Surus Valley Mental Health Hospital Did you know that for a time the largest building in the entire British Commonwealth was found in Weyburn, or that this same building was the most expensive building erected in Saskatchewan at the time? Well, Weyburn has that claim to fame with the Surus Valley Mental Health Hospital. When it opened in 1921, it could hold 607 patients and was seen as a leading hospital in the experimental treatments for people who had mental health issues. The facility also had a reputation for being a leader in therapeutic programming. In 1954, recreational therapy was introduced at the facility that included dancing, card playing, sing-alongs and skating. The use of LSD also began that year in studies done by volunteer staff and then patients. LSD was used to treat patients with chronic alcoholism, and the studies found that it helped 50% of alcoholics overcome their disease. Erica Dick, a University of Saskatchewan historian, has stated that the experiments at Weyburn in the 1960s helped to change the views of alcoholism as a disease. At its peak, the facility housed 2,500 patients before it closed down in 2006 and was demolished in 2009. There were many attempts to save the building after it had closed, but the city finally made the decision to demolish the buildings. A documentary, Weyburn, an Archaeology of Madness, was made about the facility.
The Sioux Line Historical Museum If you see a building in Weyburn with a large smokestack, then you should head over to it because it's a great museum that you can explore. Inside the museum, you will find the Wilson Silver Collection, the largest collection of silver in the world, with over 5,000 items dating back to 1750. The collection was donated by a Mr. Wilson in the community who lived as a bachelor north of the community, and he would attend auction sales throughout his life to build up his collection. Also in the building, there is a Saskatchewan mental health display and artifacts from the past that explore the community's history from the Indigenous all the way up to today. If medical curiosities are your thing, then you can check out the eight-legged calf on display in the museum as well. As for the building itself, it was built in 1909 and served as the power generating station for the community through a 75 kilowatt generator that could give power to 50 customers in the community. By the time it was taken over by Sask Power in 1960, the plant was providing power for 2,500 customers. The building itself is made entirely of Estevan brick, and today the building is a municipal heritage property. The Turner Curling Museum Curling is something that Canadians love, and it's something that we've been playing as a nation for over a century now. While curling clubs are found across the country, Weyburn can lay claim to having something no other community can lay claim to. The Turner Curling Museum was, at least according to the city, the first curling museum in the entire world. Today, the museum features rare historical curling items and has the largest collection of curling pins in the world with over 18,000. In the collection, you will find a rare set of circular curling irons that were used in the Ottawa Valley around 1800. There's also a rock sharpener that was used by the Queen City Curling Stone Company of Regina from the 1930s to the 1950s, and there's a collection of curling programs from around the world and books from the Saskatchewan Curling Association. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms, and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call one 866 285-2253. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
the HMCS Weyburn. During the Second World War, Weyburn not only had several men and women who aided the war effort, but also a corvette that patrolled the Atlantic Ocean. The small warship was built on February 1, 1940, and was laid down at Port Arthur, now Thunder Bay, on July 26, 1941. Over the course of its time at war, it served as part of the Gulf Escort Fleet, escorting convoys from Quebec to Nova Scotia. At the same time U-boats were patrolling the Gulf of St. Lawrence, the ship would also serve in the rescue of 42 sailors from the British ship the Frederica Lenson. In 1942, it was assigned to Operation Torch, which was the invasion of North Africa. On February 22, 1943, the Weyburn struck a mine east of Gibraltar that had been left there by U-118 three weeks earlier. The mine tore through the ship, bucking the decks and causing the pipes in the engine room to burst. After the initial explosion, all but two of the firing pins from the depth charges were removed, and this was done so that if the ship sank completely, the depth charges would not explode. The HMS Wyvern came to the rescue, allowing the crew to jump from the Weyburn to the Wyvern. Unfortunately, 20 minutes later, the Weyburn finally sank, and as it did, the two depth charges exploded, killing several of the sailors in the water, while also damaging the other ship, which had to be towed back to port as a result. Of the 77 crew members on the Weyburn, nine were killed. Tommy Douglas one of the most famous Canadians in history, Tommy Douglas is tied directly to the community of Weyburn. Douglas will of course have his own episode down the road, so I'm glossing over his life just a little bit. While he was born in Scotland and grew up in Winnipeg, he would come to Weyburn to serve as the minister of the Calvary Baptist Church when he was 25 with his wife Irma. As the Great Depression arrived, he soon found himself becoming a social activist and in 1935 was elected to the House of Commons. In 1939, he would enlist in the Canadian Army and volunteer to serve overseas, but a medical examination would omit him from service. If not for a leg problem from years ago, Douglas would have been shipped out to Hong Kong and would have been either killed or taken prisoner by the Japanese, and Canadian history would have been altered forever. Instead, he would look to provincial politics and became leader of the Saskatchewan CCF in 1942, leading the party to power on June 15, 1944. He would serve until 1961 as Premier and would bring in Canada's first publicly owned automotive insurance. He created several Crown corporations, started the first North American program for taxpayer-funded health care, passed the Saskatchewan Bill of Rights, and created the Saskatchewan Power Corporation. His medical insurance reform would move Saskatchewan into universal health care, and it would lead to Canada having universal health care in the 1960s. Following his election loss in 1961, he turned to federal politics, serving as the leader of the New Democratic Party from 1961 to 1971, and in the House of Commons from 1962 to 1968, and 1969 to 1979. He would die on February 24, 1986 from cancer. The life of Tommy Douglas touched us all. His idealism and vision for Canada were born out of the harsh realities of the Great Depression in the 30s. Tommy Douglas, a Baptist minister, traded his pulpit for a political podium. His legacy is a rich one. Tommy Douglas formed North America's first socialist government. He gave us Medicare. Today, the Canadian social and political fabric is richer because of Tommy Douglas. Tonight, a portrait of one of Canada's greatest politicians. Everything will be exactly the same as it is now, except one simple thing. 
That is that instead of the doctor sending the bill to you, he will send the bill to the medical care plan. Now, surely there's nothing very complicated about this. My father was an iron molder, um, worked with spasmodic. Sometimes he'd be laid off for what they called short time. In those days, if uh, you were laid off at 10 o'clock in the morning, your pay stopped at 10 o'clock in the morning. We've got uh, guaranteed uh, old age pensions at 65. We've got contributory old age pensions in addition. We've got family allowances. We've got unemployment insurance. We've got hospital insurance. We've got Medicare. Tommy Douglas remained in the House of Commons until 1979. In retirement, he worked on the Coldwell Douglas Foundation, designed to promote democratic socialism. There have been many tributes to Douglas. A statue, for example, was unveiled in Weyburn in 2010 by his grandson, actor Kiefer Sutherland. Many schools have also been named for him, and in 2004, Canadians voted him as the greatest Canadian in history. Today, the T.C. Douglas Calvary Centre, the church built in 1906, in which he served as pastor from 1930 to 1935, honours his impact not only on the community, but Saskatchewan and Canada as a whole. The building has been moved from its original location, but still retains its connection to the most famous resident from the community. The Weyburn Courthouse One of the most historic buildings and one of the most stunning is the Weyburn Courthouse. Built in 1928, just before the Great Depression swept through the area, the courthouse shows the confidence of the province in Weyburn being an important centre for the southeast corner of the province. The structure was designed by provincial architect Maurice Sharon, who built it in the colonial revival style that was inspired by buildings in Williamsburg, Virginia. This was done as a way to show the close ties of Weyburn to the United States. Sharon also wanted to design the courthouse to be an architectural landmark in the community. The courthouse is no longer operating as the Court of the Queen's Bench anymore, but it still remains an important part of the provincial court circuit. The building became a provincial historic site on February 15, 1988. The Wayburn and Area Heritage Village If you'd like to see how people lived at the early part of the 20th century, then you can visit the nearby Heritage Village, which is a replica village community from the turn of the century to the 1940s. The buildings and artifacts in the village provide a glimpse into the time when the pioneers and people like Tommy Douglas lived in the area. The village operates between May and August and is like a trip to the past, much in the same way that other living history museums created an entire landscape of the world decades ago. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at Weyburn, Saskatchewan, and if you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. And don't forget you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Randy Hayden Doug Campbell Reg W Deborah Carlson Francis Helbling Randall McCallum Diane Wade, Lorianne Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke Guess, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. If you want, 
You can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-E-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.